one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay let me tell a little story one night i brought nine of my preacher boys down to the naval base i had a little old skiff just a little bitty thing and i had a little old bitty motor on it and i was going to go across uh, the bay there and spend the night and we got over there, I, we put everything in that little old boat, but it, it had been dried out, been sitting on the land. And I started to cross with just the provisions, all the bait boxes, all the tackle, and that's during World War Number 2, and you couldn't get reels and the rods and nothing, had all the rods and reels in the little old boat, and the thing got right out in the middle, as dark as pitch, and it went under. And that left me worried about one thing, and that's my wife's first husband. That's all I was concerned about. I mean, I had no concern for the boat. I mean, it's all right. Just told it goodbye. There I was in the middle of the bay, and the wind was a-blowing, the waves was a-going, and I had to get home. I mean, I had to get to shore, see? And you know what led me to the shore? Just one thing. I saw the lights of the naval base, and uh, I started swimming. And I gave myself a pep talk. I said, now, no need getting excited. I mean, you, you, you've got to make it. I mean, no need having a barrel at sea tonight. And so, sure enough, I started swimming, but it was the light. I saw the lights. And had not been for the lights, I could have swam in circles till it gave out. And the waves would have carried me under. But, you know, the little old boat, it just had dried up. You know, that's what's wrong with a lot of Christians. They dry up and spring a leak. And the water of the world comes in, and then they capsize. Isn't that it? And that's what happens to a lot of people. They just don't, you've you, you got, you got to keep soaked up in the Word if you want to keep your boat from leaking. And that's right. Thy word have a hid in my heart that I might not sin against the Lord. The entrance of thy word give his life. Well, a man came one night, knocked on the door, and Jesus said, I'll enter the door, and he went over there, and the man came in. He was a very smart man, but he was a lost man. He's a religious man, but he's a lost man. But he was interested in spiritual things. He was interested at least in miracles, and he said to Jesus, uh, we know that your teacher come from God. You couldn't teach. You couldn't do these miracles that you do. And Jesus said to him, "You must be born again. You're living on one plane. I'm on another. You could never understand. I could show you a miracle. You wouldn't even believe it unless God gave you. See, you can't believe spiritual things without a spiritual mind. The carnal mind is enmity against God, not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. And the old carnal mind, see." It just can't receive. It's carnal. And you say, what kind of mind is that kind you was born with? Every one of us was born with a carnal mind, and we were natural. And you weren't born supernatural the first time. You was born natural. You was born natural. I just read a letter from an old boy that said now to his mother, don't you ever put another track in my letter, and don't you ever mention God to me. I don't believe in the supernatural. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Don't you talk to me one more time. And he said, don't send that bunch of roll-off junk to me either. See, I tear them into shreds when I get them. I mean, this is the most vicious infidel generation you've ever seen in your life. And you listen to me, boys. When this new Jesus fad plays out, and it's going to play out, I mean, this other Jesus that people are trying to, this freak Jesus they talk about, 
and this uh, uh, dishonored Jesus is going to play out one of these days. I'll tell you one thing. Irreverence is grinning in the face of God, and you better be careful. Say what you will. God's going to hold us accountable for our respect for God. And I, I tell you, this business, people talk about the old man upstairs. I don't go for that junk. That's God upstairs. If you want to refer him to, as a lot of people talk about hell, like it's a summer resort. See, you need to be careful about that. Did you know that? The little girl came in my study the other night, and her daddy flew her down on the plane, bought her, uh, bought her a car at the age of 14, and they've been tried to provide everything they could for her, but she turned out to be a rebel and a sinner and rotten and drifted away from God and uh, just didn't have anything. She came in, and uh, my, you talk about a rebel. You talk about mean. You talk about ugly. And I tell you, mothers and dads need to know, you can't buy the love of your children. The love has to come from God if it's to be genuine love. My daddy disciplined me, but I respect him. I really did. The last time I ever saw my dad alive, his face was bleeding, his chin was bleeding, his nose was bleeding, and uh, he, he lost his balance. And when I called him on Unicom and told him I was, I was coming to land in Hillsborough, Texas, I tell you, he, he just grabbed that old black hat and ran out the door, and his head got a head of his feet and fell on his nose. And that's the last time I ever saw him in my life. And, and he just was smiling away. Didn't bother him at all. But, you know, fellas, we need to run. We need to run. You know, the prodigal son came home. You know what the father did? The father ran to meet him. He ran to meet him. And the prodigal son had spent all he had in righteous living, but the father still loved him. And uh, the little old prodigal son came and said, Father, I've sinned against him, and I sat no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as a heart. And when he left home, he said, Give me. Came back, he said, Make me. And so Nicodemus came in, and Jesus said, You must be born again. He said, How? Well, he said, The house in my hand. The house in my hand. He said, You hear the wind? Yeah, he said, I hear. He said, You see it? No. He said, You know where it's going? No. You know where it's coming from? No. And uh, he said, Well, you, you, don't, you don't understand about the wind, do you? He said, Do you remember about Moses? When he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he said, yes. He said, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, all of us have been bitten by the snake, and that snake's sin. Every one of us has sinned. All of sin comes short of the glory of God, and the only thing I can find wrong with the kids who come see us, they're just full of the devil. I don't care. They talk about split personalities and dual personalities. Well, everybody's got a dual personality. I've had one all my life. That's right. I was a good boy one day, and just means the devil the next. That's dual personality. You know that? My mother said, son, how can you be so sweet sometimes, be so bad? i got dual personality. That's right. There's a couple of men living in me. One of them's the devil, one of them's the Lord. Now, until the Lord came in, it wasn't but one. I just had one kind of personality. It's the devil's personality. And so that's the way it is. And you just might as well go ahead and try. Yeah, I don't care what. They can use big terms all they want to. But when the woman came to Jesus and said, my daughter's grievously vexed with the devil, she was right about it. And Jesus didn't say, oh, honey, you ought not to say that about your little daughter. You know, she's sweet and fine. She's precious. And, oh, you know, the devil couldn't bother such a little girl. Oh, yes, she could. Said she's full of the devil. That's what's wrong with her. And said, I brought her to you because I know you can defeat the devil. And Jesus said, I sure can. And he told the devil, said, get out of her. And that's it. And, and she's all right. Went on home. And, and, you know, fellas, if you just realize there's one thing wrong with you, and that's sin. Just sin. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. That's been my number one problem all my life is sin. And when you get rid of the sin problem, and you can only get rid of it, that's the reason only going to psychiatrists. If you've got a sin problem, he can't do nothing about it. He won't recommend Jesus. He won't recommend the Word of God. You've got to go to Jesus if you've got a sin problem. You say, well, I, a boy came to me the other day, and he said, well, I, I'm, I'm not in much trouble that's been stealing. I said, I wouldn't brag about it. I mean, that's just plain. I said, you're a cook. You're a thief. 
you'd deprive other people of their own property, and that's wrong. You know, we got a lot of people feel like stealing's not wrong unless you get caught. I mean, if you get by with it, man, listen, I've been stealing a long time, you say, and never did get caught. You did get caught, too. I guarantee God got your record stacked up on you. Every, and, he, and he'll read the charges one of these days. Every last one of them. Every, we must give an account for every deed done in the flesh and in the body. And so Nicodemus, who was talking to Jesus, said, Now, Nicodemus, don't you remember when the people sinned and complained and fussed God and complained against Moses and how the Lord sent fire serpents up among them and they bit them and much people died and it wasn't in the remedy. And they came and said, Moses, pray for us. And he prayed. And I told him to put a, make a brazen serpent and put it upon a pole and tell them to what? Climb the pole? No. Just look and live. Look and live. You know, we've got a lot, of, a lot of religious pole climbers. They feel like, well, I've got to do something about it. You see. Oh, me. I had a precious little couple come in, and I love them so dearly. I really do. I've known that little girl ever since she was uh, just a little bitty thing. fact is, I've known her before she was born. I mean, I've known her family, and I just, I love the whole family. And uh, they came, and, and he said, listen, I believe that when I die, I'm going to have to pay for some of my sins. i got to go to purgatory. I said, Jesus paid it all. I mean, what did he say when he's on the cross? It's finished. What did he, he didn't say it's half finished. He didn't say it's nearly finished. He didn't say I got most of it done. Now you all finish it up. I got nine installments made, got one to go. You make that last one. He didn't say that. And so yet he said, I've got to pay for my sins. I said, like what? How can you pay for them? Laying in the grave somewhere. Then I surprised him. I said, now, I believe in purgatory. That surprised you. I believe in purgatory. You know the reason I believe in purgatory? I've already been there. I've been to purgatory. I really have. But I, I believe in purgatory on this side of the grave instead of the other. You know what purgatory is? Purge me with hyssop. I should be clean. Wash me. That's where the word, it's purgatory. you got to get purged. You know what a, purga, a purgative is, don't you? Hmm. You take a purgative that cleanses your system, you see, and so forth, and takes the poison out. Now, Jesus' blood is my purgatory. I've been to the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and I was purged from my sin. And so I've already been purgatory, but I won't go after I die. Brother, I mean, it's all over then. And you better put that down, all of you. And that's just a bunch of tradition and man-made stuff and no good at all. And I told them so. And I don't believe we ought to be misled and deceived by people like that. I believe we need to go to the Word of God. And I believe when a man dies, he's had his last opportunity to get saved. Today's the day of salvation, and now's the time, and tomorrow's sun may never rise. And uh, you better, he said, Behold, the arm of the Lord not shorten, he cannot save. His uh, ears not hear, he cannot hear, but your, your sins, he said, have separated between you and God. So Jesus said, Nicodemus, don't you remember how they lifted up the serpent and told him to go look and live? Now, boys, I want you to ask you a question. You reckon just everybody run up there and looked and lived? You reckon? You, you, I don't need I can see a little boy and he said, uh, Mama, am I going to have to die? And said, yes, son, I guess you'll have to die because you've been bit. Everybody else has died. And mother can't do it. I've tried everything. But son, you just went. Little old boy said, Mama, I don't want to die. I'd like to live. And she said, honey, I'd like you to live too. And uh, But there's no remedy for it. And somebody came up and said, hey, good news. Tell him to look and live. The little boy said, what? Said, just look and live. See, we got a brazen serpent on the pole, and everybody looks at it. It's been bitten by a snake, going to live. Little boy said, Mama, on look. Oh, and he looked out of the tent, and he hollered, I'm well. I'm all right, see? Now, you say, I don't believe that. I do. I do. And that's all I had to do when I got saved, look to Jesus. I, as a little old country boy, and a revival me, I looked to Jesus, and he saved me. And everybody ever got to look to the brazen serpent, which is Jesus Christ. But what about the old man over there laying in his tent, swelled up and ready to die, and somebody said, got good news for you? I said, well, he said, uh, 
You can just, all you got to do is just, we got a brain serpent on the pole, and all you got to look at him. He said, you don't think I'm that foolish, do you? He said, man, I'm a grown man. What do you, this kid play? You mean, you think I'm silly enough to step out there and look at a brazen serpent hanging on the pole and think that's going to heal this snake? But listen, I've tried everything that can be tried. I mean, I've tried all the concoctions I can put together and all the herbs I've put together. And listen, you think I'm going to make a fool out of myself and go out there and look at it? I'll die before I do it. And sure enough, he died. And that's exactly what's going to happen to bunch of you old hickin' up boys down here. You can say, well, I'm just not going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to die and you'll sin too. And you're going to be just like you were when you get home. You're going to be like you were down here, like you were before you came, until you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Oh, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abided on him. Jesus, you know, I think when Jesus looked at Nicodemus, I never did see this till a few years ago. I used to think Jesus looked at him and said, you must be born again. And I thought that's kind of, you know, you, in other words, if you want to be saved, you must be born again. One night I was reading that. And it seemed like I felt that pathos of Jesus when he looked at him and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You just must. You've come a long ways. I don't want you to go home without being born again. You just must be born again. My, we just can't lose you. You just must. You see what I'm talking about? Now, that ought to be the, that ought to be the compassion that we ought to have. You know the attitude y'all ought to take? Son, you just must be born again. Before you leave here, you must be born again. You must be saved because you'll be just like you were an old sinner when you get back home. And, in, and, and here's the thing I found out. That boys and girls and men and women come and see the light but refuse to walk in it. That light turns into darkness, and they're worse when they get home than they ever were before they came. That's the truth, and that light shall be coming to them darkness, and how great shall be that darkness. And that's right. The meanest wretches, the meanest snakes I've ever known in my life have come and stuck their fist in God's face and said, No, I will not be a Christian. You'll never put that stuff down me. And they went back home meaner than they ever were. While they were going to hell, others were going to heaven. While some were getting saved, others were remaining lost. And yet it's the choice that you'll have to make. He that believeth on the Son, the Bible says. He that believeth. And so you have to do the believing because Jesus has done the dying for you. And so you'd say, Brother Law, do you believe that he got saved? Yes, sir. Let me give you the rest of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that uh, believeth is not condemned, see, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that's the story right there. And you know, Paul said, I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. You said, could I know I'm saved? I talked to a sweet old soul, and she said, Brother Olaf, I just don't have the assurance. The devil or something torments me. I just don't have that sweet, no-so assurance. It seemed like other people have. And I said, well, let me ask you one question. What are you depending on to get you to heaven? She said, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I said, forget it all. You're going straight to heaven for a preacher funeral. I tell you, you've been there already. I mean, you're just going to heaven. Sure you are. Why? She's trusting the only thing that'll save. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. Now, I close the message by saying, today's the day and now's the time. God only saves people right now. That's the only time you can be saved is right now. And boys, if you're unsaved, no matter who you are tonight, Jesus loved you and died for you, bore your sins in his own body on the tree. And this is what he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn to me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart. You shall find rest to your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
I remember two old fishermen have been saved down here. And one of them served the Lord till he died. Full time. Got out of fishing. He's the greatest fisherman I ever saw in my life. I stood right over yonder with him and, and fished all night long. That's when we didn't have a pier. We'd stand in the water in the mud all night long. And them old crabs would chew on our feet and eat the tails off of the fish. Had them on strings. In that fish basket. I mean, we're sissy fishermen now. I mean, you know, compared to what we used to be. And uh, I, I used to and I used to see him come in from those lines. He had the greatest fish I've ever seen thought of trot lines in my life. And he'd never, listen, he'd never go into town until he got his big box full of fish and he could carry a thousand pounds of fish in with him in that box. Big reds and big speckled trout. And yet that old man worked, I can see him out yonder now, throwing that old throw net, getting those mullet, getting those mullet. He'd work and work and work. He'd take those bait traps, uh, those perch traps and go up yonder and he'd get those perch and he'd, he'd work and work and work. And it, you know what? When the Lord touched his heart, he was kind of gun-shy when he first started down there. He had a hard time getting him up there. And uh, just like some others, you know, just kind of coaxed him up like an old uh, maverick. You ever know what a maverick is? That's an old cow that hadn't been branded. And, I mean, goes back in the brush, kind of peeps out, you see. And so, well, we got him, we finally got him up to the trough. And he got to tasting that something better than redfish, you know. And directly, he, he, I tell you, he's the saltiest old fisherman you've ever seen in your life. I'm telling you the truth. I mean, uh, he, he never thought about fresh water or nothing else. I mean, he was just he was just down. But you know what? He got right with the Lord, and the Lord blessed him and touched him. And I'm telling you, he began to dress up. He began to come to my meetings. And then he married one of the finest ladies you've ever seen in your life and, uh, and gave the rest of his life to the Lord. I mean, and, and, and then he died in the harness. That's right. He's pulling when he died. He was pulling. He was in the service of the Lord when he died. See, that's what the Lord does for people. And I tell you, what a joy. I'm glad he became my partner. I'm glad I became his friend. And that old rough, stinky fisherman, you know. But I tell you, Jesus loved him and died for him. And I'm so glad that my trail crossed his. And he and I became the closest of friends. And boys, just don't ever pass up a precious soul. They're all precious in God's sight. And God will save every one of them if you'll just witness and live right. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 855 Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.